get the meaning behind the numbers and more. Analytics are like a lamppost to a drunk. Useful for support, but not necessarily for illumination. For some of these guys that, you know, <laughs> basically are pigeons and sit at a desk and hide behind a computer, they can say what they want about me all day long because they have never done any of the things that I've done and I've lived my dream. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Coming in hot, folks, season four of TSN Hockey Analytics. Can you believe we are in the fourth season of this fine program? I'm Andy McNamara. You can get us on Twitter, at TSN Analytics. Myself, at AndyMC81, back on iTunes, SoundCloud. TSN 1050 in Toronto, TSN 1200 Ottawa. Find the show page there, tsn1050.ca, all over the place. And a quick note, guys, listen, this is the fourth year of this show, as I said. And without you, the listener, not to get cheesy or anything, this, this means so much to me to be able to have this support from you guys all these years and really enjoy and dive in and have this show evolve as it's been over these, these last few seasons. Uh, Grady Sass is in a producer this year and uh, looking forward to having him on board. Big show today. Hey, our usual band of characters back for a four season. Travis Yost from TSN.ca. James Myrtle from The Athletic Toronto. Editor-in-chief there, of course. Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. And from DraftKings, NHL Fantasy. I thought, you know what? It's early in the season. Let's get some fantasy tips here. James Harding from DraftKings. We're going to talk about the new NHL Pick'em game. But first... Hey, he's, he's leading off as he always does. Bat and lead off, Travis Yost on the line. Travis, season four, man, how are you? How many players in Major League Baseball hit lead off four consecutive oh, years? Nobody. That, that's, put, my, put my name in the raft. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll get your name etched in stone here in the studio. I love it. <laughs> All right, Travis. Hey, you know what? Opening week of the NHL season, we saw a staggering amount of goals and shots compared to previous season. And you alluded to it on TSN.ca in one of your fine articles. Uh, while it's, it's obviously extremely early in tape, hey, we know we're going to say that for probably the, the next month. Do you think this increase is legit? So I, I, think, I think it at least in part is, and for a few reasons. One of which, so first off, let me, let me back up a second. Wait, last Wednesday, I'm sitting here and watching, what, my sixth, seventh day of hockey, and I'm, I'm like, this looks a lot different than what it did from last year. <laughs> there were so many more up-tempo, high-pressure games, not, not nearly as much hockey being played in the neutral zones. There was a lot of counterattacking opportunity for both sides. It was really what the NHL has tried to be for so long but can never get there. It was fun. It was entertaining. There's scoring chances all over the place. There's shots all over the place. The goal scoring was up. Um, and, and that was mostly at five on five, but even, even at the pat, like the, the, the change in officiating has had an impact at least to start the year too. Now it's, it's been weird because slashing calls are way up and everything else is kind of down, but even still teams are getting more power play opportunities and generally scoring at the same rate as they did a year prior. But as a larger point, like this is what the NHL has tried to get for basically five years now. It seems like every year we talk about how do we make the game faster and uh, add a little bit more goal scoring to it um, and, and basically disempower the NHL coaches who love strangling games and basically <laughs> playing them to, to 2-1 finals every day. Um, I, I don't know. Historically, what we see during regular seasons is teams tighten up as the year goes on. Yeah. So I'm expecting that to, to again occur in, in 2017. I just think it's really interesting that the first week or so of this season – it was more – there was way more offense generated in that week 
than any opening week in a prior October or any other season um, year-to-date, basically, in the modern era. So it's, it's a notable uptick, and we're talking about 100 games. So, it's, again, it's, it is a smaller sample, definitely on the smaller end of the spectrum. But I, I thought it was fantastic for, for yeah. as a hockey fan watching, jumping around from game to game, and every game's 5-4, and there's a gazillion scoring chances or goalies are bouncing off the post to try and make ridiculous saves. Like that, that is when hockey's at its best. Oh, I'm I'm with you 100. percent You mentioned the penalties there, and I have to wonder. All right, how much of this is power play induced compared to even strength? And 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 as the teams get used to the new rules and kind of come back down, is that going to lower scoring? Yeah, so I, th- that that's kind of my larger point here, right? So power yeah. plays are opportunities are up. Um, slashing calls are way up, but refs have now used slashing calls to avoid calling other things. So most of the other calls are down. Uh, but again, like the point about like how much offense is being generated, that is true for just five on five. Like five on five over prior years is way up offensively. The the power play goal scoring has had a has paid a, a bit of a dividend on that on that front too, but it's not nearly as much as the changes that have at least happened so far at five on five. There's just again, it's it's a lot more open ice at even strength than when you're playing 45 minutes of the 60 minutes a night at 5-on-5. At five five. That, that's going to have the biggest impact on where goal scoring goes. In conversation with Travis Yost from TSN.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost. Let's go to Vegas and the Golden Knights. Now, they lost last night, but quite a start. And you don't usually see or expect that out of expansion teams in, in any sport. But, hey, you know, they got doubled up last night, uh, 6-3. But 3-1, and one, can't ask for much much better assert than that. No, and this is the really interesting thing about Vegas. Is Vegas had an opportunity to actually, in my opinion, make a pretty decent expansion year one team. They totally punted on that opportunity, and I understand that. They basically said, look, we're not going to take a lot of these players that you're quote-unquote exposing. We're going to make side deals and get prospects and picks, and we're going to build for three years out. Great. Okay, fine. I'm fine with that strategy. I expected the team to be absolutely rancid this year, <laughs> but I'm fine with that strategy. The opening week, though, and I get it, they played Arizona twice. They played a Dallas team who's hit or miss, and, and last night they, they played Detroit. So we're not talking about Murray's row of opponents, but they have been competitive in every single game. The opening period last night against Detroit and large parts of the Arizona game, both Arizona games, actually, they were the better team. I mean, take take the Nets away, take the goals away, and just watch five two teams skate five on five or four on four, whatever it was in that game state. Vegas looked like the better team. They they have they are an underrated skating team. They're they are a very strong, in my opinion, four checking team relative to where I expected them to be. And the biggest surprise of them all, something that I, I don't expect to continue, but it's been one of the linchpins behind why they're they're playing so well, is they're getting goal scoring. And that and that mm-hmm. to me was gonna be the big and still will be the reason why they missed the playoffs. That's 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 where the red flag is. It's how many guys in this lineup can actually score goals consistently? So James Neal is an obvious one. I, you've got other guys in the lineup, Cody Eakin, Jonathan Marcheseau, who who can chip in from time to time. But when they go through a two-week stretch where they're scoring ones and twos basically across the board, and it's going to happen, how many games are they going to yeah. actually win? Because they're going to be outshot on most nights. Mark Andre Fleury is solid, if not maybe the best goalie in the world. You know, he's he's a solid tier two, tier three goalie. But he, having him five years ago would probably have been better. The, the team is definitely way further along than I would have anticipated. But I, I still wonder where this direction goes when James Neal, who, by the way, scored again last night. I, I, I don't. That that to me is the coolest story of the NHL season so far. Is that James Neal is, is literally cannot be stopped, and he's playing on a team <laughs> that was expected to win like eight games. 
Well, uh, Travis, a, a guy that has actually in the past been near unstoppable, Alex Ovechkin. Right? What a pace to start the to start the year as uh, more goals than uh, uh, this is as a Friday. More goals than eleven teams, and he was shooting at a thirty-two percent clip. You, I know you love me so, some Ovi, buddy. Uh, what are you thinking of Ovechkin? Yeah, I love Ovi. He makes James Neal look like a, a scrub fourth liner who can't <laughs> score because his first off. I, how many game, How many years are we going to sit here and watch Ovechkin score from the left circle with no pressure on him and a five-on-five or five-on-four situation? Like, have teams realized <laughs> that his office is the left circle? That's where he's going to shoot from. They're going to get you – so, again, I'm, I'm, I'm making it a little bit more simplistic because Nicholas Backstrom and every other weapon around there makes it so difficult for the West for the, for the, to, to really contain the Capitals. Um, and, and they do a brilliant and masterful job of setting up those opportunities for Ovechkin in the left circle, but – like the guy cannot miss right now, and he is shooting absolute darts. Like I, I was watching I, I, uh, a couple nights ago. Patrick Laine scored just a ridiculous goal, and I, I think he is pretty much the unanimous everyone's favorite shooter in the league right now. And I'm like, man, Laine is the best shooter in the league. And I remember, no less than 24 hours later, I saw Ovechkin score with an absolute missile. And I'm like, you know what's funny? I wonder if Ovechkin hears like the Patrick Laine said, stop, he's the best <laughs> shot in the league. And Ovechkin's like, hold on, hold on a second. Like, I'm here. Don't forget about me here. I'm only the, like the 18-time Rocket Richard winner and about to be 19-time or something ridiculous. So I, I, I love the uh, – I, I really hope, and I think there is a little bit of that internal competition where it's like, oh, that, that kid's the best shooter in the league? Uh, have, have you watched the Washington Capitals of the last decade and up to and through today? Right. Uh, I, I, am, I, I am really uh, – Excited to watch Ovechkin most of this year because I think you're going to see a lot of this going forward. Well, we've seen his chemistry with Kuznetsov. And where do you think his goals are finishing up this year? Is it oh, I, I know it's early to predict? What, what are you thinking? Well, first off, I think the people throwing out the 50 and 39 are absolutely crazy. Like this is not this is not 1987. Yeah. He's not catching wing <laughs> Right. Um, but but let, let's think about this. I mean, mathematically, he's got what nine goals in five games. So let's say he played to his historical ghost per game average like he should be in the and assuming he plays a full season I, I i mean that his most likely landing spot right now is between like 46 and 49 goals which is crazy which means it would put him definitely in the hunt for a 50 goal season which again Ovechkin is not 24 anymore i mean it, yeah. it's incredible to me that a guy who doesn't i mean look Ovechkin doesn't skate as well as he used to um, he clearly has a lot more mileage on him uh, because of how many thousands, you know, he's played thousands of hockey games now at this point in his life. Uh, but the last thing to go for a, for a skill player is generally his shot. That's what we see time and time again is that great players, you'll see a lot of their skills erode and they'll be a little tougher to deploy in certain spots, but they, they the last thing to go is their shot. It's like and that I puncher's so chance, right? so long as can keep shooting at these ridiculous rates, He's going to be just fine. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, he's pacing for high 40s, potentially a shot at 50. Unbelievable. And last one for you here, Travis. Now, uh, we have Scott Cullen on later, and he gives power rankings with us. But you have uh, Chip's power rankings. I saw you tweeting out on Twitter at Travis Yost. <laughs> and you put vegetable at number one. Is yes. this accurate? Yes, it absolutely is. Wow. So, you know, if you ever fly like JetBlue, I think there's like three or four carriers in North America who serve like the doTERRA real vegetable chips, okay. those are a game changer. Those are Because <laughs> you eat them guiltlessly, and they taste just as good as any other potato chip. Huh. Salt and vinegar number two, um, and then just absolute plain or light salt three. I'm, I'm not touching anything else. 
that that is the hierarchy, and I will debate it with anyone any day of the week. Are you a ketchup guy? I hate ketchup chips. Hate them. No, no. Come on, come on. No. Hate ketchup. That was insulting. To even ask. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. That, that's yeah. That's a, a love or hate. Okay, vegetable chips, folks. Um, tweet Travis if you agree or disagree. At Travis Yost, <laughs> buddy. Thank you so much for helping kick off season four. All right, man. Take care. All right, Travis Yost from TSN.ca. As I said on Twitter at Travis Yost. Okay. We're going to get to the editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto, James Myrtle, after the break. A lot more show coming up here on TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 and TSN 1200. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Matthews in over the line, Gardner with him, Matthews scores! Holy mackerel! What a shot! Austin Matthews wins the game! How about the Maple Leafs? High flying! Welcome back to the debut episode of Season 4 for TSN Hockey Analytics. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1200 Ottawa, and across the TSN Radio Network. I'm Andy McNamara. Follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics. Myself at AndyMC81. You can get us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on the TSN1050.ca page. Big show still to come. We'll talk some fantasy hockey from DraftKings with James Harding in a few minutes' time and Heroes and Zeros with Scott Cullen. But on the line now to help, he's in the, the two-spot after Travis Yost led off in the two-spot, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto, James Myrtle. James, how's it going, man? I'm good. Travis was just the uh, the opening act there, so we're, <laughs> we're we're going to bring the heat here in the, yes. the middle the middle portion of the show. There you go. There you go. Yeah, the, the the warm up, right? Yeah, I love it. I love it. So let's let's get to the Maple Leafs here, James. And boy, uh, when you talk about just from an entertainment aspect, the unpredictable, high flying nature of this team, sensational. Now they came back down to earth a little bit the other day. What are your early takeaways? from this team, as as Coach Babcock descri- described the play, it's kind of fun, but it's dumb. Yeah, well, I can understand why a coach might feel that way about his team. You know, the, you're right. The Leafs are, are hugely entertaining. They're, they might be the most exciting team to watch in the league, which is the first time I can say that, I think, since I've covered the team right. in the last 10 years. I mean, they're just... And the dumb part that Babcock talks about is when they give it back in the defensive zone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that my early takeaways from what I've seen so far from the Leafs is they're probably going to lead the NHL in goal scoring, and it's going to be a battle all year to try and fix what's happening at the other end of the ice. And, you know, if you want to talk about red flags, I mean, Freddie Anderson hasn't been great. Um, The blue line hasn't been fantastic. But... You know what, overall, as a team, they're third in the NHL and in possession. You know, they are controlling a lot of games. The way they dominated Chicago earlier in the week was really, really impressive. I think, for the most part, indications are good that this team is going to take a step forward from last season. But, you know, you can still see that there there are some room room for improvement in some areas there. Right, and I think with Freddie Anderson, too, James, it'll be interesting to track in year two because he had that bad start last season with a new team and all that. I wonder if, if we'll start to see a bit of a pattern slow starter, but then come on strong like he did a year ago. At the same point, though, th- this defense has to be able to help him out. He can't be getting peppered the way he's been. Yeah. I mean, his numbers are not good early on, but if you look at things like expected save percentage in terms of the quality of shots that he's facing, it's also really, really high. Yeah. You know, The degree of difficulty that he's having to put up with is 
it's substantial. So, I mean, I, the Leafs are an interestingly built team in that they probably have the best forward cast in the league, and then they have a below-average defense and goaltending. I think the jury is still out mm-hmm. on, on what they've got there. So, you know, they're going to either need the defense or the goaltending to substantially improve for them. Now, James, Saturday, the Maple Leafs have a chance to snap their 14-game losing streak versus the Canadians in Montreal. Uh, the Habs start to the year 1-3. in three. If we look at the Atlantic Division here and with the Habs, uh, obviously not not really an overwhelming crew there. Are they just kind of continuing to peter off a little bit like they did last year? Like it seems like each year they just get a little bit less interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't like the offseason that they had. I mean, you lose Radulov, you yeah. bring in Duran. You know, you're asking Duran to play center. He doesn't look particularly comfortable playing there. Um, Shea Weber's another year older, another year slower. But, you know, only four games in, you look at what's happened with them. I mean, most of the reason they're not scoring, their shooting percentage is incredibly low. You know, I think that they're not this bad, basically. I mean, I think the the Habs are at least an average team. And, you know, they're still going to be a tough team for the Leafs to handle for sure. Um, Of course, they're going to need Carey Price. They're going to have to lean on him. But, you know, I I don't think that anyone should expect that the Habs aren't going to be able to score all season or that they're going to be losing as many games as they have been all season. I, their underlying numbers are really, really good. I mean, I talked about the Leafs having being a good possession team. They're third in the league. The Habs are second right now. I mean, it's it's awfully early to be looking at this stuff. But And you look at scoring chances, the, the Canadians are generating a lot of those too. So I think we're just dealing with um, really early season numbers here as opposed to anything where we should say Montreal's in for a really poor season here. Right, and and what's sustainable and what's not. I uh, want to jump back to the Maple Leafs real quick here, James. Looking at their scoring, and you mentioned one of the most exciting forward crews in the NHL, if not the most, does that make them slump-proof in the sense that, you know, if you have just a couple guys that you lean on and they get cold, then it's tougher to overcome. But because of that depth, does it does it make them more more able to overcome if if, let's say, Matthews goes on a drought? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we saw that a little bit last year where yeah. Matthews was having trouble, having trouble scoring and they had the three lines that could come in. And I, I think so. And the other thing that it, it ensures, too, I mean, I just look at, you got Connor Brown on the fourth line and he's been so fantastic. He's been one of their best players through the first four or five games here. So, you know, I, I just, if someone does slump, if someone is in a funk, you've got players that you can mix in and then you've got a Josh Levo and, you know, they've given them some themselves some real options with the depth that the organization has so that even if you do have a player or two in in a slump you can just change who's getting the ice time based Mm -hmm. on who's hot at that time so yeah no i think you're right i I mean i think they're the deepest team and it helps them in a lot of different ways in conversation with james myrtle editor-in-chief of the athletic toronto on twitter at Myrtle. So stick to the Atlantic here with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Many people saying they were the favorites in the division. You have Nikita Kucherov, who's been leading the way in Tampa. How do you think, for, for Kucherov specifically, how do you think his season ends up goals and, and points-wise? Is he getting enough credit? No, he doesn't get enough credit. He's never gotten enough credit there, and he's been kind of overshadowed by Steven Stamkos. But, you know, Kucherov is kind of the superstar that, that, that people think Steven Stamkos is, if mm. that makes sense. You know, Kucherov's playing about 21 minutes a night. He's driving the bus for that team. I mean, he's he's their superstar, and you look at some of the moves that he's making, he's very emblematic of, of kind of the speed and skill and the way that the game is going. And if power plays are going to be high, you know, Kucherov could have a career year. I I can easily see him being a guy that's going to be around where, 
you know, other top players in the division are Jack Eichel, Austin Matthews. Kucherov is going to be a, a 40 goal, 80 point guy. Right? There's no doubt in my mind, especially when you look at, at how much ice time he's getting down in Tampa right now. James, one more before we wrap it up. Let's go out west. The Colorado Avalanche, they've, they seem to always kind of circle around the analytics world, right, as far as uh, either predictables or, or overcoming the odds or, or whatever. But coming off of their worst season in Colorado history, have looked decent through the first few games, and we throw out that early factor, of course, again. What are we, what are we looking at, do you think, in, in 2017-18 out of this Avalanche crew? The early returns are really, really good for them. Yeah. I mean, they turned over the roster a lot. I was just looking at it this morning. I mean, they've got 16 guys that are 26 and under, and, you know, they've got some reclamation projects that they brought in. Uh, they claim Patrick Nemeth off waivers from Dallas, and he's been playing in their top four on D. Um, it's a lot of young guys, a lot of guys that don't have big names, and you mix them in with Nathan McKinnon and, and Matt Duchesne and, and and Semyon Varlamov has been fantastic in goal. I mean, that game last night against Anaheim, they just completely dominated. The shots were something like 40 to 18 for the Avalanche. You know, that's the complete opposite of what was happening to them last year. So, you know, kudos to the coaching staff there and kudos to management for really overhauling their roster. It's early, but, I mean, there's no way. They're already 4-1. and one. There's no way they're going to be a 48-point team again. And, you know, I think that there's there's enough skill there that they can turn it around rather quickly. So it'll be interesting. I mean, they're... They're one of the youngest teams in the league, if not the youngest, and they, they turned it over really, really fast. Um, that seems to be increasingly becoming the model around the league. You look at what the Leafs did last year and getting really, really young. The Devils this year are off to a great start, and they're extremely young. You know, Maybe that's what we're going to see more and more of, is that it, rosters are going to be made up of 25 and under players um, increasingly hmm. around the league. James, great stuff as always. What are you working on at The Athletic? And if people don't, they know by now, but if they don't, of course, how can they sign up and uh, subscribe to The Athletic Toronto? Yeah, uh, people should check it out. Uh, we're across Canada right now. We've got Pierre Lebrun writing for us. We've got Eric Duhatchik writing for us. Craig Custins down in the U.S. Um, we're basically uh, a new sports section. If you haven't seen it yet, it's at theathletic.com. We do a lot of hockey coverage. Uh, we get into a lot of analytical kind of coverage. Um, and you know, I, I think it's uh, we're trying to be like a, a fresh take on on the sports page. Mm-hmm. Since that newspapers aren't covering sports as much as they used to, we're trying to to fill that void right now. And doing a great job as always, my friend. Thank you so much. We'll do it again soon. Okay, thanks, Andy. All right, James Myrtle, editor in chief of the Athletic Toronto. Check him out on Twitter at Myrtle. Of course, if you're not subscribed already, go get yourself the Athletic Toronto, folks. Go get it. We're gonna take the break. Come back some fantasy. Hockey talk early in the season. Get some tips from DraftKings expert James Harding and a new Pick'em style game. Stay tuned for that. Lots more coming up here on TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Across the blue line, left point, Kutrop. Kutrop. Shifko! What a shot. That clearly went in. One referee thought it didn't, but that went into the top shelf, and it's 4-2. Kucherov, yet another key goal. Welcome back to uh, the Season 4 debut, the premiere, Episode 1 of TSN Hockey Analytics. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1200 Ottawa, and across the TSN Radio Network. I'm Andy McNamara. Find us on Twitter at TSN Analytics, myself at AndyMC81. You can subscribe and rate us on iTunes, on SoundCloud, 
on the show page at tsn1050.ca. Get us, find us, track us, all on TSN Hockey Analytics. Now, early in the NHL season, some fantasy talk here. Some NHL hockey fantasy conversation. You're, if you're in a league format, you're set. But what I always like is the DraftKings style because you're not tied in for a year. Now, there's the traditional salary cap game where you pick different players with different dollar amounts and uh, you have a certain amount to spend. But DraftKings has come up with a new type of game. It's for the NFL, too. And for the NHL, it's Pick'em style. To talk about that and get some risers, fallers, and sleepers for this NHL season, we welcome back to the show James Harding from DraftKings. James, how are you? I'm doing well, Andy. Thanks for having me back on, buddy. Oh, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. So this Pick'em game, take people through who are used to the DraftKings salary cap style. What's what's different and how do you play the Pick'em style? So Pick'em is going to be played using the same scoring system that you would use in the standard DraftKings contests, but the the difference and the caveat between uh, standard and, and Pick'em is you're building a lineup out of a selected group of players who are put into groups. So, you know, you could have a, a Connor McDavid, a Sidney Crosby, an Alexander Ovechkin, and a Patrick Kane in Group 1, and you could have John Tavares and uh, Jamie Benn and Evgeny Kuznetsov and Brad Marchand in, in Group 2. And it goes through, I believe it's about eight groups, and you pick one player from each group. So there's no salary cap. It's standard drafting scoring, and you're still playing in the same style as far as a uh, contest goes against other players. But instead of having to build a salary cap-based roster, you are building a group-based roster where you're picking the player from each group who you think is going to perform best that night. And James, we're going to do a mock one on the air here for people in a few minutes near the end of the interview so they can get a feel. And I'm actually going to enter it live on the air. So I hope you're right, because uh, maybe I can win some money. I'll split it with you. How about that? Good. No, and that, that uh, I would like that maybe we can uh, pick up a bag of chips oh. and we can test those against what Travis posted on Twitter, because yes. I had some issues with his list from <laughs> earlier on. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we'll have to have both of you at the same time have a, a head-to-head Travis Yost and James Harding. Love it. I um, mean, I mean, how can you leave salt and pepper and, and sour cream and onion off? That's all. That's that's all. I'm, that's where I'm at. It's tough. I, and you know what? In fairness, I've not had the vegetable chips that he mentioned so I'm going to have to go go do that. Um, we'll get into more hot chip talk later on in the future episodes of TSN Hockey Analytics. Uh, but let's get, let's go to some risers and fallers fantasy-wise, James, for you. From last season to this season, because as we know, every year there's somebody who maybe underperformed that picks it back up or somebody a little quieter. And, and also on the other side, a player that went lights out who's going to come back down to earth. Do you have a riser and a follower you can take us through? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my my top riser right now, and and it's it's a little cliche to pick him because he's off to such a hot start. But it's Evgeny Kuznetsov from the Capitals. He's got ten points, all assists uh, through five games. Um, you know, he has three power play assists. He only has five shots on goal, which is low right now. But he's skating on the top line at even strength with Alexander Ovechkin and another uh, player to watch is uh, Jacob Vrana on that line as well. But he had a career-high 77 points only two seasons ago. He dipped to under 60 points last season, uh, 10 points in five games so far. I think he's going to have a major bounce-back year for the Capitals this year. Um, and then a faller, 
I'm not in love with uh, the Montreal Canadiens offense this year. Mm. I just don't see it right now. Uh, they've been very, very flat to open the season, and uh, I don't like Jonathan Druin. Uh, I, I, one point so far, he, he really hasn't seemed like he's uh, taken any kind of a foot in that offense. Uh, Galchenyuk hasn't really taken off yet either. You know That was a duo that a lot of people thought maybe early in the season could, could gel. It just hasn't looked at and I don't think he's going to get anywhere near his point total that he had last year in Tampa Bay. In conversation with James Harding of DraftKings, uh, talking some NHL fantasy. I get him on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey. Okay, sleeper picks. We all like sleeper picks. We all like getting those value guys to slide into the lineup, jump up, and be those difference makers for us. Who's Who do you like either for this upcoming week or this season in general when it comes to some sleepers? Well, there are a handful of them out there. One of them I just mentioned from the Washington Capitals skating with Ovechkin and Kuznetsov is Jacob Vrana. Yeah. Uh, he has uh, four points and ten shots on goal so far. He's skating on their second power play unit. But the guy who took Jonathan Drouin's spot in Tampa Bay, Vladislav Nemestikov, has been playing lights out so far. He's skating on the top line with Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov down there. He's on the first power play unit with the two of them and Victor Hedman as well. Uh, four points, three power play points, ten shots on goal so far. Uh, I really, really love what he's doing right now early on in the season. Uh, Ole Mata on defense for the Penguins. He's healthy this season. Five points, two power play points so far. He's skating in their top four. He's running the point on their second power play unit. Uh, he, he looks very, very good. And Mika Zibanejad. For the Rangers, uh, I you know can watch him here in the New York market. He's lights out so far. Five goals, 20 shots on goal in five games. He's the Rangers' number one center. He's uh, centering their first power play unit. I don't really trust the Rangers a lot right now. I think their center depth is very suspect. Their defense has a lot of question marks, but Zibanejad has looked very good so far to open the season for them. James, let's go to uh, back to the NHL Pick'em game on DraftKings here. Let's go through. Wait, you know what? We'll, uh, we're tight on time, so let's go through three or four tiers out of the eight. And again, as you said, it's uh, you go to DraftKings.com and you can play and you pick out of each group which one you think is going to have the best day, right? Correct, yeah. It's, it's just a straight. They give you about five, maybe six players in each group, and you just pick the player from that group right. or that tier that you think is going to perform best out of out of that group of players. Okay, let's do it, man. So there's a uh, a free contest up, uh, NHL 250, a free contest. So let's uh, do Tier 1. We can choose from Connor McDavid, Patrick Kane, Marshawn, or Burns. Who are you taking in Tier 1? You know, you can't really go wrong with any of these guys, but I have a feeling that Connor McDavid is going to have a really big night tonight. Ottawa is coming off of playing uh, last night in Calgary. And McDavid has been relatively quiet. He does have four points so far on the season in three games. But I, I like him tonight against Ottawa. Yeah, on the back-to-back. And that's where the strategy differs a bit from uh, the NFL style, for example, because you have to take into account back-to-backs and uh, opposition ranking, which it also provides on there. Tier 2, Forsberg, Sagan, Goudreau, or Pasternak? Who you like? I'm very, very high on the Dallas Stars offense this year. They haven't really performed uh, up to what was expected of them just yet, but Tyler Sagan has been an absolute beast so far to open the season. He leads the NHL in shots on goal, 29. Uh, He only has two goals, though, but he's firing a lot, 
and and I like him tonight, even though it's a tough matchup against the Avalanche. Uh, Varlamov has looked very good, but they're another team who are playing tonight on a back-to-back. And we'll do one more here for Tier 3. Uh, Saad, Tavares, Eichel, Ben Pavelski. Well, if I picked Sagan in Tier 2, I would probably go with Ben in Tier 3, mm. but I do really like Brandon Saad as well against uh, Nashville. Five goals and seven points so far in his first five games. So if I'm not going to go Ben, if I want to try and break it up a little bit, I would go Saad. But if I have the ability to take Sagan and Ben in the same lineup, I'm going to take that. Love it. James, thank you so much for taking the time, man. People follow him on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey. Let's do it again before the end of the year. Please do, Andy. All right. Thank you, James. That is James Harding from DraftKings at jharding underscore hockey. We'll take the break. Come back to wrap up the show. Scott Cullen, Heroes and Zeros, is back. And top storylines from around the National Hockey League. All that and more coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics. It's Backstrom into the right circle. Across to Ovechkin. He scores! Alex Ovechkin on a power play. Keeps it low from the office against Corey Schneider. And with 11.59 to go in the second, Ovechkin's ninth of the year makes it 2 nothing. Washington. Well, well, back to wrap up the first edition of Season 4. For TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1200 Ottawa, and across the TSN Radio Network, I'm Andy McNamara. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics and myself at AndyMC81. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud. If you missed any part of the show, you can get us there as well as on the TSN1050.ca show page. You'll see my lovely mug, and you can click on it, and you get all the episodes all season long. Well, let's bring on the line in his usual cleanup spot, Mr. Scott Cullen. Scotty, how are you? Great, Andy. How are you doing? I'm doing well, my friend. And you know what? Let's see. I don't know if we have it still, but let's see if that <laughs> sweet Heroes and Zeros rift is back. It's time for the best, best. and worst of the NHL this week. Hockey Analytics, Heroes and Zeros with Scott Cullen and Andy McNamara. Yeah. Some air guitar there, Scotty, to to start things off. And you know what? I didn't think uh, we'd be beginning the year with this particular hero. He's been a zero a few times. Nail Yakupov. Unexpected. Wow. Unexpected, to be sure. Um, Nail Yakupov getting a, a fresh start in Colorado. Uh, and, you know, last year's fresh start in St. Louis, he had three goals in 40 games. This year he's got three <laughs> goals in his first five uh, with the Avalanche. Uh, he's playing on a line with Matt Duchesne and, and rookie Alexander Kerfoot. And it, it's sort of a... Um, you know, cobbled together line like Yakupov's getting a chance to resurrect his career. Duchesne uh, is probably just biding time before they trade him, uh, and Kerfoot is probably happy to be in the league. You know, he just <laughs> just came. Oh, he just came out of Harvard and yeah. making the jump straight to the NHL. And so they kind of throw the three of them together and say go. Uh, and they've uh, been kind of a big part of uh, Colorado's hot start. And uh, so Yakupov, he has five points uh, and. Just as encouraging are his shot metrics. The uh, you know the, the Avalanche have better than 64% of the shots uh, with Yakupov on the ice at even strength, and uh, he has 15 shots on goal in five games. And he's not you know, he's not getting huge ice time, so generating three shots on goal per game is uh, that's a very encouraging sign. So you know maybe this is a chance for Nail Yakupov to to settle in and and establish that he can be a legit NHL scorer. 
Well, we can point back to this moment, Scotty, if he does have a good year. We, we tracked it from day one. All right. Uh, hero number two is in South Beach to Florida, Jared McCann. Yeah, I, I was digging deep this week, Andy. So, uh, <laughs> look, Jared McCann, um, when he got traded to Florida last year for Eric Branson, uh, he went and he scored one goal in 29 games uh, for the Panthers before they sent him down to the AHL. And, and the, a deal that looked like a clear win for Florida was suddenly – you know, maybe a little bit uncertain. They they, they kind of expected a little bit more, obviously. Uh, well, now he, he's back up, and um, he had a really good uh, training camp slash preseason uh, with, like, like, Panthers goalies were raving about his shot, like that he has the best shot on the team. And uh, and he's open this season with uh, four points in three games. Uh, like Yakubov, he's generating three shots on goal per game and um, has better than 62% uh, Corsi over the first three games of the season. Obviously, a very small sample. Uh, but one of the things that uh, McCann is, is giving the Panthers early is that um, giving them a viable third line. Uh, he's been playing along with Nick Bugstad uh, and Connor Brickley, and that, that was kind of one of the keys for them um, this season is that they need, they need to round out their top nine in terms of production. Uh, and if, if this third line can kind of maintain any level of consistent production, then uh, McCann probably has to be a significant part of it. So from the best to the worst, and we go to Ottawa. The centerman, Mike Hoffman, only four games. As we said, it's early. We've seen that for a while, but just one goal. Well, he scored on the power play last night at Calgary, and that's – you know, fine, but at even strength, he has nothing. He yeah, hasn't done yeah. anything at even strength in four games. Worse, his Corsi in four games is around thirty-five percent. Oh, like that's. I mean, obviously that that's so bad it can't it can't last. There's there's uh, you know no way you're a regular NHLer at that rate. <laughs> but a, a player of Hoffman's caliber, um, you know, he he's typically not only scoring a bunch of goals but also driving play the right way, and and that hasn't been the case uh, through the first four games. Um, in this case, I'm probably just catching Mike Hoffman at a bit of a down spell. I, I don't foresee this as, um, you know, something in the bigger picture that oh, we should really worry about Mike Hoffman. Just a case of uh, the numbers haven't been so great early in the season. Right, and that's where I was going to go because he's still young, still 27 years old. He's had uh, well, last three years, 27, 29, 26 goals. So you're just yeah. expecting this as a little blip. Yeah, basically. I mean, my, my, in no way am I suggesting Mike Hoffman isn't still a really good player. Uh, you know, he's probably in the top three or four on the, on Ottawa. And so um, I would expect it will turn around, but it, it's notable, particularly uh, seeing the possession numbers. Like, uh, you know, you can go through a bit of a, a scoring or point drought if the, the puck's not going your way. But um, to, to see him on the wrong side of possession to, to the extent that he is is a little bit surprising. Right, right. And our final zero, we go to the blue line to Buffalo, Marco Scandella. Yeah, well, they, you know, the, the Sabres really hoped that they were going to get some stability on, on the blue line when they traded to get Scandella from the wild. And again, very early, this you know doesn't necessarily mean it can't happen. But uh, Scandella, in, in the first four games, uh, his possession number is running around 41-42%, uh, but just as bad. There, there have been two defensemen um, that uh, changed teams in the offseason that have been on the ice for no goals for and five against at even strength. Marco Scandella is one. Uh, the other is Carl Alsner in, in Montreal. Um, but, you know, for in Scandella's case, this is a guy that uh, was supposed to come in and sort of steady uh, the Sabres' defense, and, and the early results uh, are not terribly positive. Again, very early. We'll, we'll hope that he can turn it around, but uh, um, this is probably not how he hoped uh, it would start in Buffalo. 
in conversation with Scott Cullen from tsn.ca on Twitter, at TSN Scott Cullen. And, Scott, you can find heroes and zeros of yours and your top storylines on tsn.ca. Got time for, I think, one of the top storylines. It's, it's tough. You can pick the Vegas Golden Knights. You can go Austin Matthews. Where are you going on the, the top storyline? Well, I, I'll go with Alex Galchenyuk. Because ah. uh, I think it's a compelling story yeah. uh, because it comes with a bit of a history, right? The, the, the Habs demoted him to the fourth line this week, and he has no points in four games. And that's, look, I can understand you demote a guy like that. But the, the history of Alex Galchenyuk in Montreal is that they have underutilized him, right? When he made the team as an 18 year old, they played him like 11, 12 minutes a night, even though he was more productive um, than, than guys who were getting more ice time. So. You sheltered him as, as a kid, that's fine. Um, they were really slow to kind of give him um, a more prominent role. Uh, and then finally, like in 2015, 2016, he busted through and was a 30-goal scorer you know, and played, played more at center, and he's a 21-year-old who scores you 30 goals. You would think this is you know, on, on the upswing. Um, and then last season he started. He had 23 points in 25 games, and then he got injured. Well, he came back from injury, and, and it – you know, wasn't working very well, and, and he wasn't terribly productive. Well, and then Claude Julian came in and decided that um, Galchenyuk didn't belong at center either. And so now you've got this, you know, he's, he's 23 years old and and can't seem to find a home in Montreal. You know, the, the, this, this is a guy who, you know, can certainly fit in the top six on, on most teams in the league uh, and, you know, has, has just found his way to the fourth line on a Montreal team that can't score at all. Uh, so I, as I put out on Twitter this week, I said if I was a GM of a team meeting forward talent, and there is no shortage of those, uh, I'd be I'd be calling to to make an offer to Montreal to see how much they really value him. Yeah. Um, you know, they yeah. they insist they're insisting that oh no we're not burying him this is you know just a, a short term thing. But you know when you when you have the history that uh, Gauchenyuk does in Montreal, uh, I think that that makes this this demotion to the fourth line bigger than just uh, some sort of random event. Yeah, that'll be a, a very interesting storyline to follow throughout the year. Scotty, thank you so much. We'll do it again next week. Sounds great. Thank you, Andy. All right, Scott Cullen. Get him on Twitter, at TSN Scott Cullen. Well, episode one of season four in the books, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you missed any of the show, you can get it on iTunes. Subscribe and rate us there. SoundCloud also on the tsn1050.ca show page. Or get the link directly from our Twitter accounts, at TSN Analytics, myself, at AndyMC. 81. So for producer Grady Sass, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics across the TSN radio network.